Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Excellent. That's a good answer. All right. How are the ladies doing? I heard you guys had a good time last night. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's just pray to get started and remain standing as we get into the Word of God. But Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the time that the ladies can get together and just fellowship and be reminded that they have a church family. And Father, I just thank you that right now we are a family. We are together in this house. And Lord, I pray that we just learn today and become more like you, Jesus. And Father, we are just people. We're sinners. Father, I just pray that you forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Clear our minds, distractions, and help me today, Lord, to teach your word. We love you and we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your Holy Spirit. And your blessings in Jesus' name. Can we say amen today? Amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. Remain standing as we go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 2. And I want you to notice this powerful verse that's popular, but we're really going to beat you up this morning with this verse. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. The Word of God says, If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and I even sacrificed my body, I would boast about it, but if I didn't love others... I would have gained nothing. Verse 4. Paul helps us to understand what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. or It's not rude. It's not arrogant. See... I want you to notice, before we even keep, just keep going, a lot of us misidentify what love really is. We say, yeah, I love them, or I love, them, I love you. We use this word loosely, but the Bible gives us a test to see if we really have love. And the test says, love is patient. How many of you failed already? Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It's not jealous. It's, it doesn't boast. In other words, it doesn't brag in order to bring you down. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't delight in evil, but always rejoices with the truth. It always protects It always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. My bad. Well, I can tell you a lot of love in my life that's failed, and I'm going to explain to you why. Biblical love doesn't fail. But where there is prophecy, they will cease. Where there is tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. That's love. You guys can have a seat. As we conclude our series, God First, we spoke about God first in our priorities, God first in our home, God first in our attitude. And this Sunday, we're going to really close it with a difficult one God first in my relationships. If I would ask you right now, are you in a relationship? In fact, I want to ask you, how many of you are in a relationship right now? How many of you are not in a relationship right now? See, this is where we messed up. We have limited relationships to mean a significant other, marriage, or dating someone. That's, that's pretty disgusting. Because a relationship is more than that. All of you have a relationship. You have a, maybe a bad relationship, but all of us have a relationship with a family member, 
We have a relationship with a neighbor. We have a relationship with a co-worker. We have a relationship with a spouse. We have a relationship with our children. We have a relationship with our church people. Look around you. You all have a relationship. So let me ask you again. How many of you are in a relationship? All hands, please. Because God has made us relational beings. The big lie, I'm fine by myself. No, you're not. God has made us relational. Don't ever say, well, all I need is God. As holy as that sounds, even God will say you're wrong. Because when God looked at Adam, he said, hey, buddy, it's not good that you are what? Alone. And it was just God And it was just Adam. See, God has created us for relationships. We need it. You need companionship. You need friendships. You need love. We need to connect with other people. But the reality is when it comes to love, not only have we really messed up the definition of what a relationship is, today we've really messed up what love is. We just limited love to just a feeling, an emotion. We look at, you know, Hallmark Channel movies and Lifetime movies and and all these things in our entertainment, in our world, in our society, and we've limited Love to lines like, you complete me. And holding radios up on the head and singing and just serenading your lover. And, and you're really just limited to a feeling. And, and it's a candlelit dinner. It's a walk in the park. It's really just this, ooh, I just, I feel it. And that's why when I sit down with people, they tell me, Pastor, we're not in love anymore. no. Maybe you've lost the feeling of love, but you don't have no idea what love really is. When the Bible says love is patient and kind and love is this and that, that word love, agape, is literally a word that literally means a choice. It's a decision that you make to be unconditionally devoted to another person. See, when you really love someone, you're going to say, in spite of what I feel, I'm in this forever. In spite of how I emotionally feel because you're going to wake up one day feeling in love and wake up next to that same person and that feeling is long gone. You're going to wake up angry, moody, sensitive. You're going to come home after a rough day. And let me tell you, if you have limited love to an emotion, your emotions are unstable. That's why love is so unstable in your relationships. But if you adopt a biblical definition of love as a choice and an unconditional commitment to choose, in spite of what you go through, up or down, whatever you're feeling, you're going to stay connected with your spouse, your children, your friendships, your church people, because you're telling the people God has placed in your life to have a relationship with, our relationship will not be dictated by our emotions. Why? Because one of these days, I'm going to hate you. One of these days, you're going to irritate me. One of these days, I'm not going to like you. How many times do you just not like your spouse? How many? You know, there are moments I don't like you guys. I'm very honest. Sometimes I'm like, man, I didn't like them this Sunday. But you know what? You say, Pastor, you don't like me. No, I don't like you, but I love you. Because I'm still faithful to you. I'm still here with you. That's what love is. Can we praise God for love? Because God says, God says, He so loved the world, He gave up His only Son for you and for me. And the Bible says that Christ demonstrated this love that while we were yet sinners, you see, love is a demonstration. While you were sinners, while you were at your worst, God says, I'm going to demonstrate my love. 
my commitment to you. God calls us to love as he has loved us. The reality is, is that you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with God first? When you put God first in your life, it will have a profound impact on your relationship with others. If your relationship with God is suffering, your relationship with others will suffer too. Let me prove this to you. Revelations 2.4, we've read it a few weeks ago, but now we're really going to break it down. God said to a church, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You've lost your first love. Hold that verse there. Notice what God says here. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or what? Each other. Notice the first thing that had to happen was your love for God changed. And as your love for God changed, it affected your love for each other. Your relationship with God is connected with how you're going to treat other people. And God says, you've lost your first love. You know what first love is. Some of us have experienced in it. You know, that first love, that word first means of most importance, of most priority. So when you have a first love, it's really talking about that first stage of love in your life when you first meet someone. You know that love that you begin to just always think about them, right? You know what that is. And you know what it is that you just always want to be with them. You always want to talk to them. Everything revolves around them. You just get excited to be with them and you talk about them and you miss them and you want to be with them and every, everything reminds me of them. You know, that's what first love is, is that when that person consumes your thoughts, your emotions, your life, you see, God says, you used to have that with me. There was a point in your life that you used to be excited about me, and you used to want to spend time with me, and you used to be in love with me. You used to get excited for things like church, and reading the Bible, and going to Bible study, and serving in the ministry. But God said, the problem is not that you don't love me, is that you don't love me like you used to. That first love is gone. See, When it comes to falling in love, you might say, that's easy. I can easily fall in love. But you know what's just as easy? Falling out of love. Falling out of love is just as easy as falling in love. Don't think to yourself, I can never fall out of love with God. He says in this verse, you can. It's when God is no longer a priority in your life. When God is no longer a real distraction in your day. You kind of just put Him aside. And God ironically says, when you push me aside, when I'm no longer the first in your life, it's going to affect not only the love you have for me, but it's going to affect the love you have for one another. That's why when the Bible says that Jesus was asked this question, hey Jesus, what's the biggest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? We want to know the number one commandment. It almost sounds like Jesus gave them two answers, but he really gave them one. He said, love God with all your heart and love others. And Jesus threw in this extra one. And you always wonder, why is it that Jesus threw in that extra? Love God and love others. Because Jesus was teaching this person, when you love God, naturally you will begin to love others. You see, if it's hard for you to love other people, I can guarantee you're having a hard time today loving God. If your relationship with God is struggling, it's no wonder your relationships in your personal life are struggling as well. And before you even think about fixing the broken relationships in your life, the first one that needs repair is your relationship with God. 
You got to get back to God first in order for it to have a positive impact on the relationships you have with other people. See, love is far from an emotion, it's a choice. And the choices you make will determine whether you continue on that path to falling more in love with Jesus or falling out of love. And when God is no longer experiencing that first love from you, it will affect everything else around your life. And it will affect the relationships around you. See, this is why God says in verse 5 of Revelation, sorry, Revelation chapter 2, 5, He tells the people that have lost their first love, look how far you have fallen. See, as we pause that verse there, you see what God did there? God said, look, everyone say look, all right, look how far you have fallen. You see, God is letting you know that you're able to look at a time in your life where you felt you were on top. You were successful with that person in a relationship. You were really close to God. You were on top of the world. And God says, if you're able to look and see the decline, the decrease, how far you have fallen, understand something. God is letting you know When your relationship with God or others is not where it needs to be, you're always able to see it. No one can say, well, I didn't know we had problems. I didn't know our marriage was failing. I didn't know our friendship was on the line. I had no idea. The reality is, is that you can always look and you know without a doubt that your relationship is either where it needs to be or it's not where it should be. You get it? That word falling literally is a word that means to fail. Sadly, God says you can start off a relationship with me so good, so loving, so strong, so faithful, just like you can start a relationship with someone else, so loving, so strong. You can start a marriage, you can date someone, you can have a friendship, you can have that close companion in church, and it can be like this and close, and all of a sudden, it fails. You ever wonder why relationships fail? Sadly, today, we live in a world with a high rate of failed relationships. It's just so common today. We easily unfriend people, don't we? Marriages are at a divorce is at an all-time high. It's close to 60% now. In the church, divorces are rapidly growing. I wonder why churches split and divide and close, and you're wondering, how is it that you're able to look at This once upon a time marriage that was so loving and strong and now they're divorced. Or you can look at this once upon a time friendship that was so unified and strong and now they just just don't even talk anymore. How is it you can see this once upon a time church that was close and the Spirit of God was strong and everyone was just one in the Spirit and unified and now it's just gone. How does that even happen? How do relationships fall apart? 2 Timothy 3.1 clearly tells us how. It tells us this. You should know this, the Bible says, Timothy. That in the last days, do you believe we're in the last Oh yeah. In the last days, there will be difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander one another, have no self-control. They will be cruel. They will hate what is good. 
they will betray their what? Their friends. Be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. The last thing it says there, they stop loving God. Did you notice that that verse says in the end times, people will be unforgiving, unloving, selfish. People will just slander, talk bad about one another. They will betray one another. All of those are recipes to fail relationships. In the end, you notice that people will begin to love themselves more than they do God. And any relationship where you stop loving God and you start loving yourself more, selfishness, your relationships will fail. Your relationships will fall apart whenever love is not geared towards God or others, but only yourself. And in the end times, people will become very self-centered, very selfish, unforgiving, prideful. They will abandon friendships. They will slander one another. They will be boastful. And they will have a love only for themselves. It's no wonder that as we get closer to every decade and every generation that passes, love for God decreases. Love for others decreases. But did you notice that we live in the world today that people love themselves a little too much? This attitude gets placed into relationships. It makes its way into the churches. It makes their way into, into marriages, into children and teenagers and families. They become self-absorbed, selfish, self-centered. And this is why the home today is falling apart. This is why marriage is on a decline. More less and less people are even getting married now because they say, what's the point? The truth is, is today we have really discontinued, we have messed up what a relationship should be like. We have completely gone so far from the way God has designed relationships to be. Every relationship can have success. A hundred percent of relationships can be successful when it's done God's way. Not your way, not Oprah's way, not Dr. Phil's way. When it's done, God's way. My point is this, church. You want to learn how to love others? You got to first fall in love with God. That's it. And I guarantee that as you get to this point in your life where God becomes first and you're falling in love with Him, He's going to show you how love is going to transfer over to everyone else around you. You imagine if you actually lived your life and walked in love the way God says love is. God says love is patient. How different will your life be if you were more patient? Love is kind. How will your relationships, your broken ones, change if you were just more kind? How would your relationships change if you weren't so jealous and always looking and comparing and trying to beat them? How would your relationships change if you weren't so prideful and arrogant? How would your relationships change if you weren't so rude? How would your relationships change if you weren't so demanding or self-seeking like the Bible says? How would your relationships change if you did not have an anger issue or were not so easily angered like the Bible says? You say, well, Pastor, that that idea of love in the Bible seems impossible for me. And it is. But with God, all things are possible. God says, if you get with me, I will make what's impossible possible in your life. So just imagine 
how your relationships would be so different if you actually said, Lord, help me to love like you. And love becomes not just a word you say or an emotion you feel, but it becomes a choice you make every day in spite of what you're going through. Am I preaching truth today? Say, well, Pastor, where do I start? Glad you asked that. Where do I start? I'm ready for love. I'm ready. All right. It's not, this is one of the hardest sermons I've ever preached in this church. It's not popular. Where do we start? Let's start in the beginning. Genesis 3, 17 through 20. Adam and Eve. First couple. First relationship. First disaster. <laughs> Adam was fine till Eve came. <laughs> when it was just the boys, when it was just God and Adam, paradise. She came in, decorated the garden, changed everything. <laughs> he had it all to himself. The, the first man cave. And she turned it into a she shed. <laughs> Forgive me, God. (laughs) That's not the Holy Spirit talking, believe me. All right. Notice what the Bible says. And the man said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree. Now, guys, don't say, you see, Pastor, God says, don't listen to your wife. God says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life will be a struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though notice you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brows. You will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. And the man Adam, this is important, this is just so valuable. Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who lived. I want to explain something to you. Adam and Eve were off to most, like most relationships, they were off to a great start. Paradise. Perfect. No pain, no sin, no selfishness, no devil, nothing. Just struggle free. Then it ended. Because I want you to know something about relationships. In every relationship, paradise will be lost. That's what the garden was. It was paradise. And paradise was lost. The honeymoon fades. Paradise goes away. The friendships, the paradise gets lost. When paradise was lost... And sin came into the world. And shame. I want you to see see something in this. You see that the devil was there. They were far from God. They were blaming one another. There was sin. There was shame. There was pain. The Bible says there was struggle. There was curse. And through all of this, God never said to Adam, Do you want another wife? God never told Adam, "Let's, Let's start over. I'll bring you another one. You see, because when God created relationships, He created them to endure. Even when there was pain and struggle and shame and the devil and slander and there was all this curse, there was all these problems, God never gave Adam a do-over with his wife. We live in the world today that we treat relationships like cars. We want new models, better and less mileage, and whatever that means. Listen, we have to understand that when it comes to relationships, God created them to endure. And yes, there are people in your life that are seasonal, but there are friendships that God has intended for you to have for the rest of your life. There are marriages, God says, that's forever. That's why you need to be sure who you're going to marry. God says when paradise is lost, you don't just give up. You don't just quit. You endure. So they were off to a great start together, doing things right, 
The devil shows up. It's interesting that Adam, when it was Adam and God, everything was fine. The minute Eve shows up and became one with Adam, the devil began to show up and speak. Why? Because the devil will always be attracted to unity. The devil will always be attracted to a church that's strong together. The church will always struggle when it's strong and faithful to one another. Whenever you're strong in a relationship with anyone, the devil will attack it. I have seen this as a pastor most of my whole pastoral career. Whenever I see a strong friendship forming, I said, in no time, the devil's going to show up. Whenever I see a strong church, I'm going to say, in no time, the devil will be there. Whenever I see a marriage that's doing great and strong, I said, here it comes, the devil's about to come. Why? Because the devil always wants to break the unity of God. The devil shows up because he wants to conquer and he wants to first and foremost divide. So you need to understand that when it comes to relationships, paradise will be lost because the devil makes his way through every relationship that's strong and unified. That's why the Bible warns us to be alert from the devil because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So when the Bible says in Revelations, consider how far you have fallen. Understand something. God is not saying I'm saying this to make you feel bad, to condemn you. God is saying, I want you to consider where you're at in your relationships. Why? Because you could always come back. Every relationship can be restored. Every relationship can be fixed and healed when done correctly and when done God's way. This is why when Adam and Eve fell apart and the devil ruined their lives and then paradise was lost, the first question God asked, is the most vital question you need to ask in every relationship in your life. The first question God ever asked mankind was what? Adam, where are you? How does an omniscient God, an all-knowing God not know? God wasn't saying, I don't know where he's at. He was asking Adam a question to make him acknowledge himself Where was he at in position to his relationship with him? You always have to be able to ask yourself in every relationship, where are we? You need to ask this with your best friends. Hey, where are we right now? Are we good? Because you can always consider how far you've fallen. If you're married right now, you have to get along with your spouse and say, hey, where are we right now? You might think you're fine. She might not. And you need to ask, where are we right now? You need to get along with God because God wants to know, hey, where are you with me? And you might say, well, God, I could be better. I'm a little far from you. In order to put God first in every relationship, you have to always evaluate where the relationship is. But sometimes you don't want to do this because the truth hurts and you don't want to admit that your relationship is suffering. Why? Because we live in a sick world that has to prove to everyone else we're happy. Your Facebook is a lie. Social media is a lie. You look at all these pictures, relationship goals. Listen. It's a lie. It's a lie. And to prove it, I have a, a friend, a pastor friend of mine, he showed me this picture of when he was with his wife in Australia with his kid. It was, it was awesome. And I said, man, your family looks so nice. And he goes, yeah, hey, <laughs> that was the worst day of my life. <laughs> and when pastors, they're honest. We're honest with each other. And we said, let me tell you, between you and me, I wanted to strangle my wife that day. She was annoying me and the kids weren't helping. But when it was time to take a picture... Because we have this pressure to admit. You say, oh, I can't let people know where we're at because we always have to be strong. We always have to be in love. We always have to be close. That's not reality. You have to ask your partners. You have to ask your friends. You have to ask your church members. Where are we? Because the devil doesn't stop. If you want to see a 
change in your relationships. And you want to put God first in those relationships. You have to do a few things that's not easy. You have to first realize that you have to evaluate where your relationship is. Because before God could even restore Adam and Eve, He had to find out, they had to acknowledge where they were. Because you can smile, you can laugh, you can crack jokes, you can be close. That doesn't mean you're in a good place. You have to acknowledge, I'm not where I need to be with my relationships. Whether single, married, whether with friendships, your children, parents and children, you have to evaluate your marriage, you have to evaluate your family, evaluate your relationship with God, evaluate every relationship you have and ask yourself, where am I with them? Because this is what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to creep in like he did Adam and Eve. And I began to study Adam and Eve and what the devil did to break apart that, that paradise, to break apart and really bring shame and blame and arguing and strife and all of this struggle to that relationship. There was only one thing he had to do that had a chain reaction. You guys want to know what this is? Number one, your mindset. How you think. Your mindset. A mindset is not just what you think, but how you think. You see, God created relationships and us relational, and we have the ability to think and reason and make choices. So the devil wants to use that to his advantage and your disadvantage. And every relationship is only as strong as the thoughts you produce within yourself. If you have negative, fault-finding, shameful thoughts, that will transfer over to your relationships. You cannot think horrible about a person and expect that relationship to be strong. You cannot think the worst of your spouse and expect your relationship to be fine. You cannot expect the worst about your parents and think your relationship is going to be fine. Every relationship is as good as your thoughts. Every broken relationship started as a thought. Relationships can be destroyed with wrong thoughts. Relationships can be restored with right thoughts. In Revelations, when God tells the church, I have this against you, you've lost your first love, consider how far you've fallen, and repent, the Bible says. That word repent in the Greek is the word metanoia, which literally means a change of mind. God says, if you want to restore my relationship with you, if you want to restore your relationships with anyone, you have to begin to transform your thoughts. That's why the Bible says you are made new through the attitude of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Bible also says. It starts with your thoughts. If you've been fighting with your relationships lately, ask yourself, how have I been thinking? Have I been thinking bad? Have I been thinking selfish? Have I been thinking negative? Have I been thinking the worst about them? It's no wonder your relationships are falling apart. If there's jealousy in a relationship, every jealousy starts with a thought, a jealous thought. If there's arrogance and pride in a relationship, it starts because you think you're it. You think you're awesome. You think you deserve the best. It's a thought. If there's anger in your relationship, it starts with a thought. Everything you have in your relationship will be healed your mindset, how you're thinking. In fact, this is what the devil did. The devil began to just tell Eve, let me get in your mind. So you have to understand that relationships, they're like a garden plant. And every garden plant needs to be cultivated. They need to be watered. They need to be taken care of. 
Every relationship you have, you have to contribute to. Before you can receive the blessing of this beautiful flower, you first have to contribute to. But if you go into a relationship and you say, what are you going to do for me? It's not going to work. If you go into any friendship thinking that they're there for me, if you go into any marriage thinking they're there for me, it's not going to work. You need to cultivate every relationship. You have to begin to do the work. You have to feed it the right things. You have to keep it away from the wrong things. You have to take the time. You can't neglect it. You have to feed it. You have to pour into it. What happens is, this is what happens. You say, Pastor, I keep pouring and pouring. I'm just empty and dry. I'm tired. Emotionally, physically, I'm drained. You ever felt drained? People will drain you. You don't know that? If you want to believe me, become a pastor. You'll be drained. You say, Pastor, but what about me? This is why God says, You have me. And I'll pour into you. See, God says, you have to put me first. Because as you spend time with me, in my word, in prayer, in worship, as you begin to study and see how I love, how I give, how I serve, and I pour into your life, you don't need other people to make you feel loved and Complete, you have me for that. And as God pours into your life, you're able to pour into others. A lot more. But see, what happens is people say, well, what? I'm drained. I'm so dry. I'm empty. It's because you have no relationship with God. That's how I've survived so many years in ministry. I don't need you to be happy. I don't need you to feel content. I don't need you to feel validated. I have God for that. So I spend time with him. He fills me and says, go get them. Keep filling them. But if I have this, this little pity party, but I'm empty, but I'm dry. What about me? God will pour into you. But see, The devil wants to pour into you too. And he wants to pour into you the wrong thoughts. The devil, he slid his way through Eve and said, hey, what's up, girl? Yeah, I'm just a talking snake. That's not weird. Hey, hey, girl, you ever notice that God doesn't want you to eat that tree? You know that fruit of that tree? Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, you know why, right? Because he's holding back from you. Because he knows if you do that, you're going to be like him. And God is selfish. He doesn't want you to be like him. Really? Yeah, girl. Yeah. The devil began to slander God to Eve. Talking bad about God. Filling her mind. See, every broken relationship, the devil begins to fill your mind with wrong thoughts. Anger. Jealousy. Negative. Fault-finding. Shameful. Guilty. In your mind. Because what you pour into your mind will eventually come out. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, for as he what? Thinks within himself, so he is. Your thoughts will ultimately be a reflection of who you become. The devil knowing this says, if I can just get into their mind, 
they'll begin to pour out everything I poured into them. So if I pour into them bitterness, they're going to pour out bitterness. If I pour into them negativity, they're going to pour out negativity. If I pour into them anger, they're going to pour out anger. You see, the devil knows that your mind is open. And he can slither in. And what comes out of you will ultimately affect the relationships. And people say, well, Pastor, my relationships aren't flourishing anymore. Well, what's inside you? No relationships have ever flourished with anger and bitterness and jealousy and pride inside. It doesn't happen. Amen? It starts in your mind. That's why the devil says here, God says this about the devil in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be sober-minded. Where are my bad Christians at? Remember back before you knew Jesus? When you weren't sober? How'd you act? You're like, I don't want to talk about that. But it affects the way you see, it affects the way you talk, it affects the way you walk, it affects the way you treat people when you're not sober. The idea of being sober means you're able to think right, the way you should. It's interesting that here the Bible, Peter begins to warn the church about the devil. He says, watch out, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And as he begins to warn people about the devil, he doesn't say, you better pray, you better be worshiping, you better be doing this. No, he says, the only thing you need to know is there is a devil. And if you want to be safe from him, you better think right. If you're not thinking right, believe me, the devil's close. If all of a sudden you got random thoughts, man, I don't like this person anymore. Man, this person did, this person that. Look at how they look at their shoes. Oh my gosh, their shoes. And look at this and that. And, I'm, and you begin to be jealous and negative and fault-finding. And your mind, it's no wonder your relationships fall apart. Because the Bible says the devil's like a lion. And he wants to get into your mind. To pour out and destroy all your relationships. It's interesting that he's known as a roaring lion. And when I thought about this, I said, wait a minute, there's a clue there. Because when a lion attacks his prey, you ever watch the Discovery Channel? You know? And you see him running after that that little gazelle. You ever notice that the lion first has to get that little cute gazelle by himself? As long as he's with the herd, the lion can't touch him. Why? Because the devil knows. As long as they stay strong and unified, I can't, I can't do anything. I got to get them alone. You know, one of the signs of a bad mindset in your relationships is isolation. Whenever you have these negative thoughts come in and it makes you feel like just isolating yourself from other people, whenever you're like, I'm not saying that there's times you want to be alone. We all want to be alone sometimes. But what I'm saying is there are moments that you're filled with these thoughts of negativity and jealousy and anger and bitterness and rage and all kinds of negative emotions. And all of a sudden you begin to just withdraw yourself from people you used to be so close with. You used to be so close to your spouse, now you just want to be in the other room. Your children used to be so close, but now they just want to be apart from you. You used to be so close to this certain person in church and this certain ministry, but now you're just drifting away. You used to be so close and you were close friends and you were in love and whatever, but then you begin to just isolate yourself. You know why that is? Because your thought patterns are being influenced by the devil to get you alone. Because when you're alone, 
the devil can really do damage to you. It's all in how you think. Be careful when you're thinking, man, lately I just don't want to be involved. I don't want to fellowship. I don't want to be close. I just, be careful. The Bible says be alert. Because he's trying to hunt you down. I see this all the time when I'm out in the ocean. When I'm fishing late at night, and you see a huge school of fish, and these sh- massive sharks come. It's interesting that the shark, one shark tries to scare the fish away and separate them. And as they separate from the school, as they separate from the group, the other sharks can get them. So I, got, I started thinking, I said, wait a minute. Could it be that the devil wants you isolated? from your church, isolated from your family, isolated from your spouse, isolated from your friends. Just be alone. Why? Because you ever gone alone, don't you realize the worst thoughts you've ever had, you've had them alone? You ever been alone with yourself? What, you th- what do you think? That's why. Always remember this. Relationships are like Bananas. Oh, this got weirder. Listen. Listen. This is God right here. It's not me. Listen. I always think about weird stuff. I started thinking about bananas. And I started thinking, I said, man, why don't they sell bananas by themselves? What if one person just wants one banana? You know, I started thinking that. And I Googled it. And I started researching about bananas. You know what's interesting about bananas? They come in bundles. Together. Everyone say, together. This is what our church looks like. We're together. You came in this Sunday, worshiping. You're together. You know what's, what's, what's crazy? If... Hold up. It's very difficult to split a banana when it's together. But now listen. How easy was that? Listen, this is what the devil wants to do in our church. The devil knows, man, if they're together, I can't split them. <laughs> I can't split them. But, but, but if I can just isolate them. Hey, stay in today. Don't, be, don't, don't go out with those women. You're crazy. You know they don't like you. Stay home. February 20th, man, it's our turn. The devil's going to say, don't go. To that barbecue. Don't, that's weird. Bunch of guys hanging out. It's weird. The devil wants you alone. I have seen the best of relationships end because they started isolating themselves. And this is why it's so easy. You know what the devil does? When you grab a banana by itself, you literally grab it by the head of the banana, the head. Huh? The devil says, now that you're alone, I can get to your head. That's why so many people are just splitting apart today. So easy to split. Because I have to get them alone and get to their head. When the devil begins to fill your mind with wrong patterns, it will affect your relationships. Renew your thoughts about that person you hate right now. You married them for a reason. Became friends with them for a reason. God gave you those parents for a reason. Begin to think differently. And watch how it renews your mind and transforms your life. Because your mindset will also affect your perception. See, mindsets is how you think, not just what you think. Perception is how you see, not just what you see. What's interesting is that the Bible says that There came a point 
in Genesis 3.6 that when the devil was creeping up to Eve, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Isn't that interesting? That tree was always there, right? Right? Tree was always there. That tree never changed. Her perception of it changed. See, the problem with broken and split relationships is once the devil gets you alone and gets to your head, he begins to change your perception about people. And that person hasn't changed. Same old person. But your perception of them changed. The things you you used to think were cute when you were dating, your perception changes and now they're disgusting. The things you used to love about that person when you were friends now annoy you. You ever notice why that happens? And then they say, no, they've changed. No, they haven't. I laugh because people, they, they... sit down with me with tears in their eyes or whatever, and in a bastard, I'm sorry, I'm leaving the church. And I'm like, okay, that's it, yeah. God bless you. Don't you want to know why? No, but I think you're going to tell me. It's changed. It's changed. You've changed. And I'm thinking... No, I haven't. We, for 11 years? 11 years in this church. Oh, we've changed locations. God, have we changed locations. 11 years. Bro, it's been three songs and preaching. That's it. For 11 years, I've preached long. Get over it. For 11 years, I've been the same pastor. For 11 years, we've done the same thing. But your perception has changed. Couple sit with me, Pastor. I gotta get divorced. Why? They've changed. Friends come up to me, Pastor. We we we're we're just not friends anymore. Why? We've they've changed. Could it be that the devil got you alone? Got to your head and said, They've changed. You know why bananas are sold in bundles? Because as it's ripped from the tree. The bananas stay strong, stay healthy, because they feed off each other's nutrients. But the minute you isolate and break apart a banana on its own, it bruises easier, changes colors quicker, becomes rotten a lot faster. You want to know why there's so many bruised, sensitive people today in our world? They're loners. You want to know why so many people become rotten? They're loners. And the devil just gets to their head. and Splits them apart. This happened to a woman in the Bible named Misha. Some people don't know who Misha is, but Misha was David's wife, King David's wife. The Bible says that she loved David. Most Davids are awesome. And it's just... She loved him. She loved David. She asked her dad, I want David. She got David. And one day Saul was trying to kill David. Father-in-law. Don't kill him. Father-in-law. His perception of David changed. He tried to kill him, but she loved him so much that she went up to the room and said, Run, honey, dad is mad. He wants to kill you. So she gets through the window and she she rescues him. What a love story. David looks back at the window and says, I'll be back, baby. And I'm going to give you the kingdom. You're going to be my princess. My version, right? (laughs) He goes and he comes back and and he delivers. He gives her the kingdom. She's a little princess now and she has David. But the Bible says that in 2 Samuel 6, 16, 
As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Misha, the daughter of Saul, watched, come on, say it with me, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing, he was worshiping before the Lord, she despised him. In his heart, the word heart there literally means inner mind. How does someone that, that was so in love now despise him? She's watched. She saw David. And when she got alone with David, she said, you're making a fool of yourself dancing like that. You look, you're a pervert. She said it. Prouncing around like that. People aren't going to respect you. And she despised him. Why? Because she perceived David wrong. God cursed her. That marriage fell apart. Because her perception, you know what the devil did? She was alone in the room, alone. And the devil said, hey girl, hey, don't be down there with everyone worshiping. Come upstairs, be by yourself. Let me get to your head. Look at David. Look at him. Making a fool of himself. And the devil got to her. They split. You guys get it now? The devil gets to your mind and to your perception. And I think to myself, what if God would have been first in me and Michelle's life? Michelle's life. Here's a clue in 1 Samuel 19, 12 and 13. And we'll close with this. That story of her dad coming, trying to kill him, and her telling him, run, I love you, I'll see you later. It's true. Misha let David down through the window and fled and escaped. Then Misha took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with garments and put some goat hair to, so that people would think it was David. But you know what I started realizing? She had idols. God wasn't first in her life. It's no wonder that when God wasn't first, while everyone else was worshiping the ark, which represents the presence of God, when everyone was close to God, she was upstairs by herself, not even enjoying the presence of God, because God wasn't first. And if God is not first in your life, it will affect all the relationships in your life. So because God wasn't first, she had the wrong perception of David. What if she would have been close to God with no idols? What if she was downstairs worshiping the, and looking at the ark in the presence of God? She would not have had time for the devil to get to her head. Don't you see that when you put God first, it will have a profound impact on your relationships because the devil wants to get you through your mind, through your perception. He wants to split you apart. He wants to pour in the wrong things, so you pour out the wrong things. You see, when we close the series up, I close it with this one because when it comes to God, He has blessed you with a relationship, a friend, a family member, a spouse. But you need to cultivate it. You need to protect it because behind every broken, split relationship, I believe there was a devil getting into your head. Getting into your head, isolating you. To split you apart. But true friendships say, we will stay together. So even though life pulls us apart, we get pulled together. So that even when the devil tries, he can't. And when you're weak, I'll give you some of my nutrition. I'll give you some of my strength. This is why we need each other in this church. Because when you come to church broken and defeated, someone else is going to come alongside you and says, let me help you. You cannot do this alone. That's why God said it's not good for a man to be alone. Protect your relationships by first putting God first. When paradise is lost, through shame and through guilt, 
You're able to stay under God. You're able to pour into all these relationships that matter. What I love about Adam is that when paradise was lost, when everything fell apart, God still gave Adam a powerful responsibility. Adam, yes. What's he going to name her? What are you going to name her? Hag. Failure. Dumb. God said, Adam said, God, I'm going to name her Eve because she's going to be a mother. What I love about Adam is that he began to act like God. You see, Eve wasn't a mother yet, but Adam called her mother because he knew she would become one. Friendships and relationships and marriages last when you don't see where they're at now, but who they're going to become. You get it? He calls her for what she would be, not for who she was now. If Adam was acting in the flesh, he would have called her according to her sin. But he called her according to who she would become. Don't look at what they've done now. Don't look at the past. Adam erased the past because love keeps no record of wrong. So he didn't, he ignored and forgot and forgave her as he forgave himself and called her according to who she will become. You want to stay in love, you got to do a lot of forgetting. Amen? A lot of forgiving and a lot of declaring. You say, in Jesus' name, you are the most stubborn person I've ever met. But one day, you're going to be the nicest, the friendliest, most loving, and I want to be there for that person. Let's pray. Let's all stand to pray today. That's the end of our series, God First. Give them a round of praise today. With every head bowed and right closed, I want to pray for all of you tonight. Today you're saying, Pastor, I'm in a relationship. I have friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members, boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know what we are yet. It's complicated. I, I have a mother. I have a father, a brother, a sister. I have a church. Help me to stay together. Father, thank you for this series. Father, thank you for everything you've blessed us with in this church. Father, bless us in our relationships. Help us to keep you first. Pour into us so we can continue to pour out and cultivate the relationships you've blessed us with. Lord, keep us away from this demonic realm, this lion that wants to destroy our relationships and get to our head. Keep us like the bananas that are strong together, Lord. We don't want to see division. We don't want to see splitting. So renew our thoughts and help us to apply this to our lives. Send people to our church that need relationships, Lord. Let this be the most just loving, faith-filled, relational church they've ever seen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God some praise this morning.